Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Bleeding on the Page. The story you're about to listen to is Inside My Tuck Shop, written and performed by Max Bardsley and Samuel Jones, with additional sound design by Ollie McGauley. There are cobwebs in the back of my broken coat hanger room. I haven't cleaned it in months. No point, it's just for broken coat hangers. There is an old, frail spider whose many eyes glisten at me in the early morning light, as if begging for nutrition. Sorry, old girl, no flies down here, I'm afraid. Boilers bust. Cold mist protrudes from my lips. I check my pocket watch. Soon, Mr. Parsons will arrive, as he always does, right on schedule. I tighten my cravat and prepare myself for the first performance of the morning. I look back up at the cobwebs, but the spider has disappeared. No longer in her transparent nest, it seemed the icy temperature had become too much to bear as she now made her new home on the cold concrete floor, curled up into a tight, spindly fist, unmoving, her many eyes now closed. Guess I can put the bug spray away, I thought as I made my way to the storefront to greet the ever-predictable Mr. Parsons. Hello. I service Mr. Parsons every day. I spend three hours measuring his inseam, outer seam, neck seam, shoulder seam, arm seam, and outer arm seam. His measurements are always the same, but without this little ritual, my day would be completely devoid of human interaction. After the measurements are taken, he chooses the most elegant, expensive tux in the shop, puts it on, and strides around in it for an hour. As usual, he tells me how much of an important man he is, and how he needs to look good for his big day. Mr. Parsons then removes the suit, politely returns it to me, and says he needs another day to mull it over. Mr. Parsons leaves, leaving me alone, isolated until closing time. This is where the real work began, trying to occupy the many empty hours with dull tasks. My dicky bows are damp, my top hats are dusty, my cufflinks are rusty, and I still haven't cleared out the broken coat hangers from my broken coat hanger room. And that's when I heard it. Tap, tap, tap. Someone at the door. Perhaps Mr. Parsons had decided to buy that suit after all. Finally, I could have more tuppence to add to the boiler fund. But it wasn't Mr. Parsons at all. It was a tall, dark man that haunched over me like a street lamp. His skin was loose as if it was made for a skull three times larger and had an almost translucent quality. You could see his thin veins punt blue and red blood gently through his face. His eyes were hollow, black discs that hauntingly approached me with a distant curiosity. He smiled gently, revealing a mouth with no teeth. With his outbreath, the storefront became filled with the invasive stench of bleach. My heart sank. 
I knew immediately none of my suits were large enough to fit this man. Maybe a tie at best, but I definitely couldn't suit him. He handed me a business card and smoothly moved his way into the shop, browsing the suits. So what can I do to help you with today, mister? I looked down at the card. Death? It's pronounced dear, he said with his gaze fixed on the cold, tattered suits. He gently held the velvet lime sleeve of one of the older suit jackets. Does that jacket interest you? It's- Edwardian, I know. The man who last wore it died in it. Charles Purview, a respected businessman and town dandy. He lived a life of debauchery and hedonism, attending many soirees and indulging in the sweet plum of life with his two closest friends, Barnaby McCoy and Roger Dillonby. After enjoying his fruitful youth, he settled down with the love of his life, Judith. They had two daughters, who were the apple of his eye. He lived the comfortable life of a loving father and faithful husband all the way up until his death on the day of his first daughter's wedding, where he suffered from a heart attack as a result of one too many cocktail sausages. As his daughter placed the ring on her finger, he collapsed into the middle of the aisle, shrieking and defecating in front of the entire congregation. Mr. Dr. smiled at the old suit jacket. When I came to collect his soul, he observed the chaos around him and made a joke about his circumstance, something about going out with a bang. I'm glad the jacket survived the whole ordeal. Not quite my colour, but a fine cut nonetheless. But I haven't come here to discuss attire. Like that wedding day, I've come here to claim a soul. My entire body had been shaking. Is this the moment? Had my candlestick finally run out of wax? Will this stump which held a feeble flame be finally blown out? The black eyes of the ghoul stared through me. I felt a wave of relief. I thought of the incoming prospect of a life beyond ties and top hats. I looked back at Mr. Diarth with an expression that I thought projected nobility. <clears throat> I'm ready. Not you. The spider. Oh. Mr. Diarth went to the back of the broken coat hanger room, collected his soul and promptly left without so much as a glance behind him. In the ensuing years, I often wondered when my time would come. How would it come? I continued to run the shop the same as I always had. I cleared out the broken coat hanger room only for it to once again fill up with more broken coat hangers. I ran out of coat hangers and many of the suits now sagged on the floor, collecting dust. Eventually, Mr. Parsons stopped visiting. Eventually, light stopped coming in through the shop windows. Eventually, I stopped closing the store at all. In all the time I spent alone, I often wondered what story I would leave behind when death came to collect me. But Mr. Diarth never came. By the year 125, I stopped keeping count. Death had forgotten about me. I stayed at the tuck shop, wondering what story I would leave behind when death came to collect me, to take me to the new life. What stories would he tell of me to nurture a new soul into the unknown void? I imagined he would say, Colin Pimlico owned a tuck shop. He worked in the tuck shop his whole life. Colin Pimlico owned a tuck shop. The end. Yeah. Yeah. And 
Hello. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to a mini episode of Bleeding on the Page. So this is uh, this is the format of how we're going to run the podcast. Uh, plot twist, guys. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, one once a month we'll do the big bo- big boys with a longer script and more actors, and then you know everyone in the middle of that, me and Sam will just come in and perform a little a little monologue that will have a little piece, a small put piece. together something we can put. We you don't want to give you just talking, you know, no. just talky bits. We got to give you a little bit this of something. This podcast isn't called talky bits. It's this called bleeding on the page. It could have been to called talky <laughs> bits, but no, it's called bleeding on the page. Studio seventy one rejected talky. Wouldn't bits. be a pod- it wouldn't be bleeding on the page if we weren't in fact <laughs> bleeding on the page at some point. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of which, for this piece inside my tuck shop. We came out with this pretty quick. I know, yeah. The way but there the was way, no bleeding that happened yeah, during the process the, of this. The way we wrote this one was, uh, me and Sam just sat down. And we're like, let's just write a short story. Let's just have some fun. Um, and then Sam went, "What about inside my tuck shop?" Like it's a sweet owner. And I went, "Yeah, inside my tux shop. That sounds great." And he's like, "No, no. Well, it can be a tux shop, yeah, I guess." Yeah. And then from there, I think I was yeah, like, "I was like, no, I meant sweet shop." And you looked up at me with this like these puppy dog eyes, and you were like. <laughs> Yeah, but I want. I wanted. There are t- there are cobwebs in the back of my <laughs> broken coat hanger. Right? Yeah, I was like, that could be a really good opening line. You went, yeah, that is quite good. Yeah, the then, idea of a dusty tuck shop is quite like sad. Yeah, there's something because it's. It, I don't know. Like the idea of a tuck shop overall is weird anyway. Yeah. Um, and just this idea of an entirely abandoned tuck because tuck shops as well. Like, I don't know if I have seen any type of place which is like a dusty tuck shop no, as a no. setting um and there's something really interesting about that because it's, it's the fact that he only does tuxes yeah yeah and the tux is like this is a symbolic suit for like an event yeah. so the fact that this man cares for it completely on his own and no one buys <laughs> anything we found really funny yeah, <laughs> and this is a comedy script um even though it's quite morose yeah um, it's sort know, of it's meant, got a heart to it yeah, yeah i think it's i think i think it's like it's a bit of a comedy script it's a bit it's, it's a bit like desolate and depressing Wait, as well how pathetic do you need to be for death to just like forget you exist yeah yeah so. i love the idea of just death forgetting <laughs> you exist and this man is doomed to an eternal life working in a tuck yeah, shop because we 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 wrote it so we could include something um in our in our merch sales in our clothing sales yeah and then, and we then were like oh we can read and, and then as we went on it just kept on expanding yeah, and then we we're like this larger. is this is yeah. worth um actually recording and putting out for people so yeah, and we yeah. just like writing stories so hope you enjoyed it though yeah, yeah. <laughs> hope it was good yeah but oh well, maybe it was main... awful let us know what yeah, you thought <laughs> let us know. yeah if you want to email at all you can email at inquiries at nitpicks.co.uk um so sam so, what do you think what do you think was the driving force behind us like getting around to the point where we wrote a story like that because this was not as planned either as like a lot of the things that we have written before the story sort of unfolded as we wrote it we were only like one step ahead as opposed to usually where we have like all the plots like thought out um well the process with this weirdly was i think we had done nothing but watch stephen king stuff Mm. pretty much um because we were playing with the idea of doing a video in lieu of pet cemetery so we just 
and I just read The Dead Zone. Yeah, which, which you I got you for your birthday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I got Sam The Dead Zone for his birthday like <laughs> bloody like five <laughs> years ago, I swear. And I was always just like, dude, why aren't you reading The Dead Zone? You're going to love it. And he was always like, oh, I'm reading this. I'm reading this. I'll get around to it. When you finally got around to it, all I got was I, Sam coming up to me going, The Dead Zone's so lit, man. <laughs> I can't stop reading it. It's so good. Yeah, it's a really lit book. Um, And then after reading that, we were like, oh, okay, let's watch some Stephen King stuff because... We really wanted to try and pin down what made Stephen King, you know, unique and what in why. film, yeah. Because he has written so many books that have become movies. It's almost like its own genre in itself. In itself, yeah. Because Stephen King films aren't actually like they're not conventionally scary either. They don't. They don't, they never play out like a conventionally scary yeah. horror. Psychological film. thrillers usually. Yeah, yeah, but even then, it's so all of his stuff is so uh, wacky, yeah. and like <laughs> crazy. Yeah, because the Dead Zone they made into a movie, which we did oh, see. Yeah. <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Walken. <laughs> what does he say? There's a great line in it. He where says, Christopher... "I've written it down. I've got it." <laughs> the ice is gonna break that's right he's in like uh he's in a mansion and he's like tutoring a kid and the kid's gonna die and he's ba- basically the plot of dead zone is um he has he goes into a coma he's in a car accident he's in a coma for four years and then when he wakes up every time when he touches someone he knows everything about them but he can also see the future yeah so he touches this kid that he's tutoring and he sees him playing hockey on the ice and falling into the ice and dying. <laughs> so he's like, you've got to cancel the hockey game. Yeah, and he's right. running around and he looks like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he's walking around with like a limp and his eyes yeah, are he's all got like a little cane. faced out. And, he, <laughs> and then he just breaks this guy's pot and goes, yeah. the ice is going to break. <laughs> And obviously in the Christopher Walken fashion, he's like, he's yeah. so Christopher Walken-y in that movie I know he's as well. leading in that. And I, I yeah. don't think I've ever seen him lead in anything else. And it's directed by Cronenberg, I think. Really? I think so, yeah. It's like a top... I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a top, it's an auteur, for yeah. sure, who made it. That's crazy. Um, That's... A, d- that, why do you think that Christopher Walken doesn't get cast in more <laughs> leading man roles? Because he is a leading man, really, when you look at him. Yeah, I, I don't know. Everyone likes him. Um, but I don't know if he can... Car- I, I think everyone like enjoys him turning up in Click. Yeah. But they wouldn't go see oh, Click. Dude, Christopher Walken makes Click. Like, no, <laughs> that really when me and Sam... What, <laughs> <I remember laughs> me and Sam, when we, we were like... We were, Sam was like, you were going through like a bit of a tough time at I the time. I was going through a breakup. You were going yeah. through a breakup. I was pretty sad. And, and me and Sam, I, as a recovery process, Sam was like, right, Sam, we're going to just lock ourselves in in this apartment that was just for <laughs> us. And we were pretty young. And we were just locked into this apartment and we spent like the enti- a t- an entire week, I think, watching week, yeah. films and drinking. Yeah, we just got drunk and watched movies every day. You hadn't seen Die Hard. Uh, you hadn't seen Die Hard. That but was amazing. Click. And then <laughs> Click is the one that I put on for you. And you're like, whoa, Click. click really hit you emotionally it's about a father it's about a father-son relationship and i ended up calling my dad yes you did drunkenly and telling him i love him because because of of click Click. yeah (laughs) but i mean yeah i think i think that christopher walken is like he's such a great actor but he he just doesn't i think everyone's a bit like unsure about him because i think if you were casting an actor to play inside my tuck shop guy (laughs) Christopher Walken would be a pretty good casting as either the main character or even Mr. Diaf. Like, he could do either of those characters. <laughs> but I'd want Jim Carrey for Mr. Diaf. I, want, I would want Jonah Hill. Jo- I would want Joan of Arc. 
I say if bring we can her get back. Her, yeah, <laughs> if we can get her. Um, and um, it's a funny story about like the Mr. DR thing because that's based <laughs> off of a true story yeah. as well. When we were writing it, there's a story my mum always told me. She used to work in, it was either a flower shop or she was like a waiter. She did a, like a normal job. And some guy came in and he had to have his, his, <laughs> his, his initials or his, his name written down. And my mum read it and she was like, oh, you, is your name Mr. <laughs> Death? And he was like, no. My name is Mr. Diarth. It's a real guy who's out there in England. Yeah, so if you do listen to Mr. Uh, if, if Mr. Diarth is, Mr. Diarth is listening to Bleeding on the Page, right in. My mum still tells your story to this day. <laughs> and when my mum read it, she was well stoked that we put that in. Oh, I <laughs> so, bet she was. But that's how things, when you're writing as well, there is, there's always little things like that. that you yeah, find you've got to put in little things. moments that you can, you can draw from. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, I put in... Um, None of it. This was all me. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I was mostly just... <laughs> he was drinking the whole time. He was sat on the no, couch. Um, no. I, th- I think that... I, I think you... All you the do, ideas. I think I put in the... The, the, the ending. The, the spider, you know. Yeah. Because I've got a unique relationship with spiders, as you know, but we won't get into that. Did you know I had a pet spider in a match? Do you? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> oh yeah, no, he had a rough I time. <laughs> <laughs> I panicked. I when I was a kid, I used to have a pet spider in a matchbox. Um, when I was really young, and I used to go up to people and go, "Do you want to see my spider?" And I poke it out, and people would be really freaked out. Like people would genuinely look at me and be freaked out by me because this was a grotesque spider in a matchbox. I carried it around with me, and then and I thought it was a dude. And then one day she had a shit ton of babies, so I was like, "Got to transfer into a, her into a shoebox." I I called the spider Frank, and I kept the name Frank. She kept she remained being called Frank. And then was it a gross looking spider? Real gross, dark black. This is Portugal. This, this is Portugal, Portugal when yeah. I lived in Portugal, and then. And they were all in this matchbox and I was like So you were like Spider King. I was like Spider King and then I thought, you know, it's so unfair for me to keep this young mother and all her children locked in this like shoebox. I'm gonna liberate them. So in my house, I didn't take them outside, <laughs> I just cut a hole in the box and went, go on, you leave liberated whenever liberated them from uh, yourself. <laughs> you were their you were the only prison yeah. you were the only one keeping them prisoner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm I'm being evil. They've got to be out in nature. And then we had a horrible spider infestation <laughs> in a hole. Did your family a, know it was you? Yeah, yeah. Mum was like did you free the spiders like yeah you can't keep them locked up (laughs) that was just that spider did like that's a sick like escape yeah from those spiders they broke out of them and they made you pay well they taught me it was it was the children man i did it for the children (laughs) i couldn't i couldn't even in my young mind i couldn't keep children locked away i didn't want them to only know a life of captivity so so in preparation for this mini episode i looked into some like you know some fun little facts about Stephen King. Oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. Because I was like, oh wow, we have, we have like, like Stephen King's such an odd person yeah, as well. He's exactly. such a figure. So you're like, oh Stephen King, he's written so many books. He's so crazy. What kind of facts can you get? So Stephen King is from Maine. Oh, and that's about it, really. I looked into it. There's not really that many interesting things that happen no, to Stephen come King. Come on, there's that story about him with the car where he got into that car accident <coughs> and then he bought the car that he that hit him. Oh, yeah. He so did, he and could beat it up it. with a yeah. bat. Yeah, he did that. <laughs> there's also the fact that he can't remember writing the That's book of That's what Coon. I was going to go into. <laughs> oh, okay, I was going to go into, but like, it's weird because 
he took so much drugs he took so much coke <laughs> yeah. that he can't remember writing the book cujo about <laughs> yeah. his like evil dog about an evil dog that went around killing people <laughs> and if that's not a testament of a great writer i well i i always think that i always put that down to why his stories are so wacky it's like why is stephen king so wild it's all the coke man it's yeah but like... he was he went off it and he's still writing yeah no he's stuff. clean yeah but I also wanted to talk about the Netflix specials because oh, yeah. you showed me these. Yeah, the uh, you made you sat me down and you were like, "No, there's two sick Netflix specials yeah. that are both based on Stephen King Netflix books. movies." Yeah, and those are Gerald's Gerald's Game yeah. and 1922. Yeah, those are incredible. They're really they are such gems on Netflix overall. I think they're one of the best films that Netflix has put. They're I know. two of the best I, films I, I Netflix has put out. I completely agree. With, 1922 especially. Yes. It's amazing. It's really, really it, great, yeah. It's just like, it's set in 1922. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it's this guy on a farm, and it's basically like the way The Ranch should be. The other <laughs> yeah. Netflix special. If The, the ranch. ranch was like 1922, <laughs> what, if The Ranch was like 1922, that would be great. What those two films really understand is how... Um, Stephen King like uses uh re like uses symbolism in his stories and they really adapted that to the screen in a great way because in 1922 it's the rats they're like a symbol yeah. of sort of corruption basically and what corruption evil. and evil yeah, and, and kind of man you know and, and selfishness as yeah. well and, and how that consumes so, you because it's about a guy who make who does some questionable things mm. for his own self yeah well, we won't do spoilers but he's basically being haunted by rats. Yes, so yes. There's like these disgusting rat Man-eating rats, yeah. yeah. They are <laughs> gross. It's really visceral. It's really great. <laughs> and then Gerald's game as well really intelligently uses the symbol of the oh, eclipse. So yeah, Mr. Yeah. Diath is definitely, the way we envision Mr. Mm. Diath, we definitely stuck, got, oh, into, yeah. got a bit of that from Gerald's game. We, we, li we lifted, we, pro we almost, li we were nearly lifting that character as a whole from it. Yeah, yeah. But we appropriated it and changed it a fair bit. Yeah, um, yeah, but like there's there's because Gerald's won't give game. Away, no, but no, no. There was a character in Gerald's game. If you yeah. watch it and you can see the similarities, last note because <laughs> that'd be interesting. But you should. They're 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 really interesting. I think they're one of the better. They to me they feel like they're really capturing the king energy, which a lot of like film and media of King doesn't necessarily always feel like it does. Yeah, there's been a few mess ups for <laughs> sure. Because the Dead Zone's pretty good, but it and it does at points, but doesn't really it's feel because Stephen it adapts King the book like straight off the yeah, page yeah. pretty much and like you can't really do that with king you've no. just got to go with the core aspect that makes it special mm. and just adapt it you know yeah. make it your own thing and that's what kubrick did with yeah. the shining yeah yeah and though king doesn't like the shining very much which you can if you read the shining you can yeah. also understand yeah, why it's, entirely different. <laughs> it's like your book there's like an icon yeah. fuck that yeah <laughs> we're gonna make a movie that's more iconic yeah yeah well i don't know more more iconic oh yeah if you say someone the shining they're gonna go like oh yeah that's i don't know about. very often in hand in hand with the shining people go have you read the book i do oh, okay. that fair like. enough fair enough but, but then, uh, but then, adapting the Shining book is weird because imagine making like the the he biggest did, scene he did try and adapt uh, it. accurately. But the biggest scene in the book that really stands out to me is the one where that kid starts basically getting haunted by a hose pipe. <laughs> <laughs> the hose pipe starts like moving, oh, and he's yeah. like, "What the hell?" That's and actually that's scary. actually really yeah. scary in the book. But <laughs> adapting that to the TV screen, I'm like, "How do no, you even do that?" Yeah, because Stephen King did his own like mini series where he did adaptations his way yeah and they suck they all <laughs> suck isn't he in a load of them as well <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah. Yeah, he's like the guy overseeing the miniseries so it's even more messed up 
But um, yeah, Gerald's game is, you know, it's very much a survivalist yeah. kind of thing. It's one person in one room and it's very psychological yeah, we, 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 can, we can do the opening pitch to it because it's like a couple go on, to an, on a holiday escape to have like kinky sex and the guy like chains her to a bed and he's like, oh, I want to do kinky sex stuff with you. And she's that's like, exactly what he says. It, yeah. it, that's line for line, line what actually plays out. He's like, I want to do kinky sex stuff with you. And she's like, no, no, I don't want to. And yeah, then he that's ha- what she says. Yeah, yeah, that's the line for and line. She sounds like that. So, guys, I'm no. doing. No, this is a really accurate representation of the and film. And she's played by Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> and he's played by Jim Carrey. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's actually really good. Um, but just before they're about to have kinky time and he's all a bit disappointed he has a heart attack so then she's left isolated in this like lovely villa holiday home chained to her bed and then from there it just becomes this really weird interesting psychological delve into like her as a character femininity female sexuality it covers so many interesting bases through a really in a really surreal way um yeah and um, yeah. it's it's similar to the other movie we saw which is based off Stephen King 1402 1402 yeah yeah which is really reminiscent as well really weirdly quite good in places and quite goofy in other places john cusack's what that (laughs) yeah i love i love (laughs) how like bit is really great yeah john cusack is like this he writes about uh he writes about haunted places and he stays in haunted places and he writes about his experiences yeah but he doesn't believe in ghosts (laughs) so he's like this hack fraud writer and they were like oh you could have been good but you yeah, sold yeah. out you fucking so dick he, so he gets his <laughs> that's what people shot. say to us as well actually. yeah they do they're like you could have been good but you sold out you <laughs> made a podcast <laughs> um, everyone's got a podcast what the fuck what the hell guys can't yeah. you do something more unique people throw tomatoes at me on the way in today yeah as well. you still got a bit of juice on you I know yeah yeah Just, yeah uh, but it's um, it's lunch so yeah. <laughs> I didn't complain <laughs> um, yeah, yeah and uh, John Cusack's surprisingly good but hammy in the right yeah, places yeah. as he, well yeah I'm not sure if he's great exactly but he d- he's not he's bad. all right he's yeah. all right no he, no he has his moments he has his moments <laughs> and then he gets this um postcard that says don't go to 1402 <laughs> who sent that um the ghosts the, the ghosts, ghosts the ghosts sent yeah. that okay <laughs> so so then he goes to 1402 because he yeah and samuel jackson's it, waiting yeah. for him so he he investigates <laughs> hotel room sam jackson's there has like a sick scene <laughs> where he's like everyone listen who's here. ever <laughs> been here has died in it they've killed themselves listen mate don't do this please don't do this and john who's like fuck you ghosts don't exist that's exactly what he says as well word for word you, sam jackson. <laughs> i'm gonna go in that room anyway did you learn the script yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, but the and the, fun, then, the thing that makes the film fun is is once he's in that hotel room, it's just like how the haunting happens and how you get haunted in that room because it's like hauntings are really abstract anyway, and I think it's really hard to make them feel juicy because yeah. they're kind of you know they are these these abstract things yeah. it's about the unknown so how do you make the unknown in film feel like yeah. rewarding to engage with they could kill you at any time but they choose not to yeah like they want to play and that's what you. this film and does yeah. They do with 1402, and, yeah and not only that but they also make they also make these hauntings tie into him as a character and they make that work really nicely whereas like a lot of films 
you know, either you have like a physical demon body who's like trying to kill you and keeps jumping out at you. You just got loads of floating books. Yeah, like, I th- I think that's the most important thing for like any good that any any type of good horror, which Stephen King gets really well, is like a very good core concept with yeah. really really clearly established rules that are abided by consistently. Um, and it's I think it's got to have its own logic. You know, it's yeah. got to have its own rules, and that needs to be laid out for yeah, you exactly. as well. You need to know as the audience what that is. I think for that to for the uh, horror film to be a rewarding experience um yeah but, because in in 1402 you're you there's nothing in there that's you're not like oh why would no you it fully makes sense yeah and that is because i've read the short it's based off a short stephen king mm. story and it's pretty much that's the main it, thing that they've kept yeah in, in the film is the rules and then lastly we binged an entire mm. season of 11 23 63 Fuck. which is a uh hulu it's original. a hulu original hulu yeah, that, Ste- again, it's just like all these Stephen <laughs> King, it's like, it's so funny because there's these really popular Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. You've got like The Shining, Carrie. Shawshank Redemption, Carrie, like everyone knows about these. Yeah. But things like 1922, Gerald's Game, um, 1408 and... 1123. <laughs> lots of digits. Lots of digits. Lot of digits How, to stop naming your films and books <laughs> after <laughs> numbers, King. No one watches things which is just numbers. It yeah, never does well. What are you supposed to think of 112363? Yeah, what is well, that? if you were smart, you'd know that was the date that kennedy was assassinated oh jfk what happened to jfk <laughs> <laughs> what, what what about the pyramids what about the pyramids oh about the pyramids um because yeah. because jf this entire hulu show stars james franco yeah who's good who's really good in there and it's him time traveling because <laughs> yeah. he can time travel by going because it's king his, and he does lots yeah. of coke so yeah. he's like why don't they just tra- time travel why man just time travel but the time travel logic's really great yeah because you go through this door this diner door and then you arrive in the 60s and you arrive in 1960 and then you just walk back the same direction to come back yeah but, and all the changes you've made stay but if you go back a second time it reverts resets, it yeah. it resets it all so his he goes there and he lives for three years in the 60s yeah just building up to stopping kennedy from being assassinated which again first of all i've never seen like a time travel show where a time traveler like goes somewhere and spends years in a new time like already that's like something that's quite like something i've just not seen like and i was like that's so sick that's so nice so interesting and refreshing and also again this idea that stephen king has a real grasp of everything's like a two two-edged sword so like time travel so often it's just like oh how great is it like yeah, this yeah, is yeah. fantastic it's like um, i know all the future yeah. stuff or if you want the double-edged sword thing it's like oh your actions can affect the future you've got to yeah, be careful that's what i really love but about this isn't show. about yeah. that that's not what it is yeah it's a personal thing and i love how in this show stephen king makes time like a character and it's almost like the antagonist of the show who James Franco's character is like working against. So time is always trying to kill James <laughs> Franco. It's like Final it's Destination. It's like Final But it's only when he tries yeah, to, to change. Tries, tries so to change. If he change tries time. to like speak to his own like dad. Yeah. When yeah. he's supposed to be a kid. What happens is this like car out of nowhere just comes out and just like <laughs> destroys the phone box. And then... And then, um, so he can't make the call. Yeah. And they always repeat the same thing every time he tries to mess with time. Something bad happens. And then anyone in that world, anyone in the 60s can just say, 
are not supposed to oh, be Oh, yeah, there. that's it as yeah. well. It's like every now and again, characters can just sit, like can just like look at him and go, you're not supposed to be here. And it's yeah. proper like disturbing because yeah. it's like time is communicating with him directly. It's just like we were, we were so refreshed because I'm, at the moment, there's some pretty good like TV shows happening. But yeah. it's hard at the moment to find like some really great impacting yeah. stuff that you and can binge. From Hulu in one as well. And from Hulu, the yeah. unlikeliest yeah. of places, uh, <laughs> coming also, out with some fire. It, what's also great is the ending. The last episode is the ending. Yeah. There's no way there's oh, going to be a second that, season. That was because me and Sam keep bitching about all, all, so many shows now that just keep ending with op- like they do a season and the seasons end with these open endings. Yeah, and it's just oh, like maybe just we'll get stopped. a second season. We need to continue the story. And it always means it always says to me, "Oh my god, the second season is going to be so turgid. It's going to be so yeah. bloated. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be like uh, loads more aspects now because uh, now it's the format. I think it's Stranger Things that laid it out. It did a season and then second season though, we'll add more characters. We'll do more plot. Um, but like it, it doesn't mi- always work. I don't even work. mind it so much in Stranger Things. No, but it's all the time now. And then they've got a tiny little cliffhanger. Yeah, tiny little one. But Killing Eve <laughs> just ends like halfway through the story. It doesn't even have any kind of uh, sense of oh, closure. Yeah. Do you know what I had today uh, from my sister? This might not be true, but right. I, it might be. Uh, but I think it is. Um, is that Killing Eve second episode has a scene filmed in Jenny's, which is where we fo- wow. film the ad. For this advert. <laughs> for the so advert for the weird. podcast. <laughs> which is weird, <laughs> it's right? Weird they didn't mention that to us. I to know. Me. Yeah, they I know. Weren't like, they weren't like, oh yeah, we had Killing Eve in here. Well, they yeah. Might, yeah, I know. I have no idea. It Maybe might have been after. We have to check. It might not be jenny's but maya said it was like a greasy but spoon. they left and there was the peckham station my oh. sister said and like she was like they're sitting in the same seats as us so oh, i was like that's wow. pretty uh, same seats as me and her not the same seats we filmed in wow otherwise i would have been really lit but uh yeah, yeah, yeah that's pretty i mean we'll have to double we check, have that. To check <laughs> that but anyway killing eve just ends it, the season first season just ended with this just like and then, so Cobra Kai, as much as we love it, yeah. as much as we love Cobra Kai, the best show ever made. <laughs> the greatest show <laughs> probably in the history of man. If you haven't man. seen Cobra Kai yet, what are you doing with me? Because <laughs> um, Cobra season Kai's two. season one felt really, you know, finished. Oh, yeah. And it had a cliffhanger on the end. Mm. But season two ends with just all the yeah, characters co- totally open-ended. Up. Because that was it. It had a complete arc. And then it was like, oh, but here's the next yeah, thing that could happen next. Yeah, here's what the next, next. thing's going to be. Um, and then the season two is just like, it's like half a plot is what it felt like yeah. and th- that's what the problems with like everything sucks kind of f- feels like that i swear yeah. because there's like all these plot points that are developed from season one and don't get answered at the end of season one season and now it's cancelled so yeah. it's like what are you gonna do See, as much as i love sex education and i really love sex education yeah it does it does just kind of end with like me going like oh now i have to wait i to have to wait more. like two years yeah. to like, and it, it doesn't feel and like i don't fulfilling. like that feeling you know yeah. I, I want i want to feel satisfied then come even back something it. like game of thrones season one which we watched <laughs> yeah. recently uh because we were just watching loads of game of thrones like when it ends with that ned stark that is a strong enough finale Game of <laughs> oh yeah if you haven't seen game yeah, of thrones season Stark one guys jeez yeah. um, um yeah. but like after that that feels very complete you yeah. know you are like i'm ready for a bit of a break of yeah, thrones exactly. like break of thrones oh i'm so relaxed <laughs> i needed a break of thrones after yesterday after yeah after that we had to binge all of cobra kai season two and then that was miserable that was miserable as well why is everything so dark at the moment well do you know what isn't what do you know what I was watching today a, a bit more of? Is Chris Lilly's new show. Oh, is it all right? No. Oh, is it bad? <laughs> it's like, I keep on trying to see what he's doing with it. 
and um, he, now he he's got these little developing uh, narratives, but it's me- really made me reevaluate Chris Lilly because oh, really? I'm like, did Chris Lilly always make his characters this gimmicky? Yeah, so Chris Lilly is an Australian oh, yes. comedian. Probably should explain. Yeah, yeah. Um, just chatting like mates. We're just really this is the chilled out podcast. <laughs> it's mate chatting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Lunatics is Chris Lilly's new show. He's an Australian comedian. He did Summer Heights High. Yeah, he did Angry Boys. Yeah. He did. Um, did he do the the drama teacher? Was it? Did he, he do a lone Mr. G? Was that a lone show? That no, he did? that was part of Summer Heights High. Oh, and then he did the girl, the private school yeah, girl. Yeah, Jimmy, private school girl. Yeah, that and was then, the one that got me into. So this is his. This is like his fifth show or his yeah. fourth show, and yeah. it's with Netflix. And uh, yeah, I mean, I saw the first episode. So wasn't impressed. I, I've watched quite a, <laughs> quite a bit of it now. That's what you've been doing today? Uh, a little bit, yeah. yeah. That and just uh, like I was doing other bits. You're whilst, doing other bits. No, I was doing other bits, but I was watching it. And it made me really reevaluate him because he's a character actor who builds his comedy around these character performances. And it's just made me like, but the new season feels so gimmicky. It's like each character has a gimmick and every time we go into them, they get this very minor story progression and a bunch of gags built around their this this gimmick. Uh, there's a guy, there's the guy who owns this, sh- you know the guy, so there's a character in it who went from retail and then he's opening his own shop with sort of, oh, it yeah. used to be his wife's shop. It's like shop. a fashion guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, but then, but all of his thing is like, his gimmick is that he like, he likes to fuck inanimate objects. That's his oh, gimmick. That's his so they gimmick. keep making jokes about well, that. That's funny. And his last name is Dick. So he's named his new store My Dick. Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. a bunch of <laughs> punchlines mm-hmm. going like, oh, like uh, they've like, oh, today's a really sad day for my dick. It's like it's like it's just like mm-hmm. jokes like that mm-hmm. consistently. And every character is basically what kind of inanimate objects is he fucking? He fucked a Hoover, and oh, he had that's, a, that's coming. That's comedy. I, I know, right? That's classic. I, we wrote a joke like that when we were like 14, 15. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which you might listen to at some yeah, point. Yeah, if we run out of ideas. If we, we run out, we've got like a, we've got an a emergency script, emergency which is a script we wrote when we were like 14. Oh, yes. Speaking of which, um, so next next episode, we're going to be doing it on about British dystopian futures. Yes. So what our producer suggested to us which i like the idea of is you can watch the movies with us if um, you want to so so in two weeks time from when this is out we'll be hitting you with a brand new episode called a simple game of chess that's our new We're story currently in the process of writing it and we are bleeding a bit we are page. bleeding a bit yeah it's um, it's definitely got blood so the films i would say is obviously children of men children of men um, um that's it Children of Men is that that is it? Uh, no, Clockwork Orange is worth watching as yeah. well. That's some of the dystopian and stuff that we're framing things we saw, against. What was the film with the Scottish guy? Uh, what film with the Scottish guy? Well, like oh, no, that. Uh, oh yeah, you're talking about. Mm, it's got such a forgettable it's got such name. Such a bad name. So this is like one of the greatest dystopian films we've ever seen. It's like Mad yeah. Max. It's the guy who directed Hellboy. The new Hellboy. The new movie, Hellboy which too. Which is apparently not good. Yeah, which is apparently trash. But don't we let that. Seen it. We haven't seen but it. But don't yeah. let that stop you from watching this film. This uh, absolute treat. Sam's uh, just googling film. it. I'm going to distract you for a bit. Go on, um, the director is so called <laughs> Neil Marshall. Neil Marshall. <laughs> yeah. Not Marshall. Just Marshall. The film is called Doomsday. Doomsday. And it's amazing if you get the chance to watch neil marshall's doomsday that is a treat it's like a tv release it's like a b movie b movie it's it's It's, really wacky it's really great it's got cannibalism in it it's really mad max it's mad max vibes meets like scotland and england it's proper english feeling um um 
yeah man we will be talking about it more in the next podcast but you should definitely check that out yeah and then also um there is a little bit of with nail and i oh yeah with nail and i oh me and sam me with nail and i we watched that like this year or a year ago and it's like we've seen it like seven times so we keep yeah we keep so we'd recommend that to anyone yeah um, with Nail and I is a and great film. 28 Days Later. Oh, and 28 Days Later, yeah. That One was another. classic dystopian British films. Yeah, uh, that's great. Zombies. Yeah. Danny Boyle. Dan- oh, and V for Vendetta. And V for Vendetta, which is weird. Which is a weird, because V for, v for Vendetta. Vendetta, we should talk about that in the yeah, next Yeah, we'll talk about it in the next one. But um, check those out if you want to, if you want to understand more of our process. Um, yeah, uh, so this has been an episode about Stephen King. Um, and that was Inside My Tux Shop, the short story we wrote. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Bleeding on the Page. Um, you know, we love you very much. <laughs> I, think about you, I think about you all the time. Um, and I feel really close yeah, to you. And do give the podcast some love by giving us a review on iTunes. I know it takes a little bit of time to just do the five star and type something up. But it does help us with the charts. The, the first episode got into the top ten. Number t- nine. Number nine on TV and film. Of all of all time ever is it just uk <laughs> it's just uk okay oh just, probably yeah, I, probably, yeah who yeah. knows it's the uk chart but all podcasts are all UK, there we are all podcasts in so the we UK. in the <laughs> we did it though so thanks guys for thanks that as well so keep, keep yeah. up to date with us we're coming at you with more stories we're coming at you with more bromance we're coming at you with more other, more of our friends you're gonna see some more you're of them see some more actors <laughs> it's um, gonna be absolutely smashing so, yeah um lots of love bye, bye. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.